I'm going to tell you, whether you're in the choir and you're using your voice uh, or you're in the praise team and you're using your hands, you're using an instrument, uh, whether you're at the workplace and you're doing your job or whether you're on the ball field and you're playing your sport, uh, whether you're in the classroom and you're being educated and you're learning, you're gaining knowledge and wisdom, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, wherever you are, whenever you are, give God glory. Amen? And that's what these songs were all about. It was about the glory of God. It was about worship and praise. It was about fellowship. And that's what Christmas is all about. It's fellowship. God with us. God wants to be in right fellowship with you. And He has done everything, everything that needs to be done so that you can be in fellowship with Him and in fellowship with one another. He gave His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. That is what Christmas is all about. It reminds me of something that I read about the late Ann Ortland. Uh, Ray and Ann Ortland were well-known evangelists for many, many years. Uh, back in 1979, they began a ministry called Renewal Ministries. And Ann Ortland, uh, Pastor Ray's wife, she wrote many, many books. And some of you might have read some of her works. One of her uh, most well-known books was a book entitled Up With Worship, How to Quit Playing Church. The title itself catches your attention. Up With Worship, How to Quit Playing Church. And this is what she wrote about worship. Here's what she said. Christians can be grouped into two categories. Marbles or grapes. Marbles or grapes. And here's what she said. Marbles are single units that don't affect each other except in collision with one another. Grapes, on the other hand, are always together. They mingle juices. Each one is a part of the fragrance of the church of God. The church itself is a cluster of grapes squeezed together by persecution, by bleeding, by mingling into one another. And here's what she says. Fellowship, praise, and worship then are genuine Christianity freely shared among God's children. Sermons and songs, while uplifting and necessary, provide only a, a part of the vital church encounter. We need involvement. We need to be involved with one another. If we roll in and out of church each week without acquiring a few grape juice stains, then we really have not tasted the sweet wine of worship, praise, and fellowship. You're going to hear me say those three words a lot in the next few moments. Worship, praise, and fellowship. Why did Jesus come to this earth? He came to save us. That's what the Bible tells us. That's what we've already looked at these past couple of weeks. Jesus came to save us from our sin so that we could be in right relationship with God 
so that we could worship and praise God and be in fellowship with Him. Listen, we were created. That's what the Bible tells us. We were created to worship. We were created to praise God and to have fellowship with Him, but also have fellowship with one another. And I believe we see this in the Christmas story. When you look at the Christmas story, the glory of God is on full display. Isaiah tells us in 43 chapter 1, or chapter 43 verse 1, he tells us that we were created by God and for God. As a matter of fact, God says to us as his children, you are mine. I don't know about you, but there have been times when I felt like I didn't belong. There have been many times in my life where I felt like I didn't belong. Have you ever felt that way? Out of place? Like you didn't belong? Let me just tell you something. You belong to God. You will always, always have a place of belonging. It is with God. God created you. He formed you. And he says to you, you are mine. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 7 says that we were created for God's glory. That's what we were created for, for God's glory. I want to read a passage to you out of Isaiah. Because we've been looking at several prophecies that that preached about Jesus coming, about the Messiah coming to us. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 16 through 21. Listen to this passage. The Bible says, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick, What's he talking about? He's talking about when the Lord led them, right, out of Egypt into the promised land. But look at verse 18. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself. Look at verse 21. The people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. I'm going to tell you again, you and I were created to worship God and to praise God. Isaiah chapter 9, if you'll remember, I read this last week. Isaiah chapter 9 tells us that God's people were walking in darkness. That's what the Bible says. They were walking in darkness. What does that mean? That means they were walking in their sin. They were sinful before God. But God made a promise to them. And listen, when God makes a promise, what does he do? He keeps it. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. He is the great promise keeper. Even when you and I are faithless, God is faithful. God remains faithful. And God told them in Isaiah chapter 9 that a great light was coming to them. A light was dawning. And he says now in Isaiah chapter 43, that he is doing a new thing. He is making a way for them. Listen, God is doing what only God can do. You and I, there is nothing that you and I can do to be right with God. Nothing. You can't sing enough. 
You can't play the instrument enough. You can't perform well enough to be right with God. Only God can do what needs to be done, and God does it. We were created to worship God. We were created to praise God, but that's not it. We were also created to have fellowship with God. What does that mean? That means you and I, we ought to be able to approach God and listen to his voice and speak to God, have a relationship. That's what fellowship is. It is a beautiful relationship that works in both directions. Listen, no one else deserves your worship. No one else. No one else deserves my worship but God. No one else deserves our praise but God. He is our provider. He is our redeemer. And we see it in this prophecy that God wants us. Think about that for just a minute. He wants us. He wants us to be in sweet fellowship with him. And as we draw close to God and we are in sweet fellowship with him, we can also draw close to one another and enjoy that same fellowship. That is our purpose, to worship God, to praise God, to be in fellowship with God. Listen, worship and praise and fellowship, what they are, they are powerful, powerful responses when believers are focused on the glory of God. Think about that for just a minute. When you are in complete worship, isn't it amazing how everything around you just disappears? Everything around you disappears. Even when you're focused on the glory of God, you're not focused on what's for lunch or what what bill may be in the mailbox when I get home to check it. When you are focused on the glory of God, right, your response is worship. Worship. Your response is praise. And when you're focused on the glory of God, your response is fellowship. You just talk to him. You just listen to him. And that's what we were created for. It's all about the glory of the Lord. That's what the choir and the children sang about. How many times did we hear that word glory? Glory. The glory of God. The glory of Jesus. The glory of the Lord. I want to I wanna read that passage to you that some of our children read to you. I want you to look at it with me in Luke chapter 2. The glory of the Lord. What is that? Why is that such an important part of the Christmas story? Well, let's look at it. In Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 7, the Bible says this. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. Why? Because there was no guest room available for them. Listen, the glory of the Lord, think about this for just a minute. The glory of the Lord came to a manger in Bethlehem. How incredible is that? I don't know about you, but I've been to a lot of places, and I know some of you have been to a lot of places I haven't been to yet, but there are so many places where you go and you stand. I'm, I'm just thinking, like, one of Marty's favorite places is the Biltmore Mansion in North Carolina. She loves to go there. And, and I remember when we went there 
what was that, like our 10th anniversary? That's been a long time ago. Um, we went there for our 10th anniversary, and when we drove up, we just stood and we looked at this big castle, right? This big, huge castle, and the sun was shining, and it was just, it was a glorious moment. It really was. Some of you have been to places like the Grand Canyon, right? And you just stand there, and you look at that place, and it's like, this incredible, huge place, and you go, only God could do this, and and it's a glorious thing. I think about all these big places, right? These, I would call them famous places, And, and we think about glory, but think about this for just a minute. God can shine his glory anywhere he wants at any time, and it's just as powerful. The glory of the Lord came to a manger in Bethlehem. What does that mean? Well, when you think about Nazareth, right? Nazareth was actually considered by so many people at this time to be a lowly place. You remember uh, in the Bible it says nothing good comes from Nazareth, right? Nazareth was a lowly place. It was not a place that was held in high regard. It was actually about 100 miles north of Bethlehem. Bethlehem also was a very small town And it was not viewed upon as a place of high esteem. It was another place that was in low regard. Yet the glory of the Lord came to this place. The glory of the Lord came to this place. Why Bethlehem? Why a manger? I'll tell you why. Because it's prophecy. It's prophecy fulfilled. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Did you know that the word Bethlehem, the name Bethlehem, it actually means house of bread? That's what Bethlehem means, house of bread. Jesus is the light of the world. We've already talked about that. We talked about that last week. He is the light of the world, come to save us from our sins. But he's also the bread of God come down from heaven, John chapter 6. He is the bread of God come down from heaven, right? Why? Because you and I, we needed God to do something about the darkness that we were walking in. We couldn't do anything, but God could and God did. His glory came to this place at this time, the right place at the right time, fulfilling prophecy. If we keep reading in Luke chapter four or two, I want you to look at this, Luke chapter two, verses eight through 20. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. I'm going to tell you something about shepherds. Back in that day, shepherds, again, were not people that were viewed upon with high regard or high esteem. But look at what happens. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and what does it say? And the glory of the Lord. There it is. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, 
a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God. What were we created to do? Worship God and what? Praise God. Have fellowship with Him. And here's what it says. The great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds, look at verse 20. The shepherds returned and what did they do? Glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. So the glory of the Lord came to a manger in Bethlehem. But here we see that the glory of the Lord came to the shepherds in the fields. Think about that for just a minute. The glory of the Lord could have chosen to appear to the priests in the temple. Could have, could have, could have chosen to appear to anyone. But what does Luke tell us right here in chapter 2? The glory of the Lord chose to fall upon who? The shepherds out in the fields. Some people would call them the nobodies of their generation. No name is given. No name is given. We don't, we don't know their names. But does it make it any less glorious? I say no. The glory of the Lord came to the shepherds out in the fields. Out in the fields where nobody else was, where nobody else was watching, the glory of the Lord came to the shepherds. I love what Dr. David Jeremiah says. Listen to this. He says, at the world's first evangelistic service, think about that, the first evangelistic service, the shepherds were the congregation, and the heavenly hosts were the preachers. The announcement was the gospel in all of its beauty, and the invitation was responded to by everyone who heard it. The first evangelistic service. The shepherds, it tells us they were terrified. At first when the glory of the Lord shone upon them and the angel appeared, it says they were terrified. But what did the angel do? The angel calmed them and pointed them to Jesus. Pointed them to the good news and to the promise of God. What was the good news? What was the promise of God? A Savior has been born to you. He has come to save the world. This is good news. What did the angel say? For all the people. Not, not just Jews, but Gentiles as well. All the people. I love that. I don't think this is a coincidence that God's glory fell upon the shepherds in the field. You want to know why I don't think this is a coincidence? Because I read in John 10, 11, where Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. You think it's a coincidence that God's glory fell on the shepherds in the field? I don't think so. I think this was divine planning. 
Jesus said in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Think about that for just a minute. There are no coincidences in the Word of God. It didn't just happen because... It happened because God planned it that way. It happened because prophecy was given and God fulfilled that prophecy just as he gave it. This was not a coincidence. This was intentional. And I love this because we get to see the response, right? The response of the shepherds. Their response to the glory of the Lord was three things. What did they do? They worshiped, they praised, and they had fellowship. That was the response of the glory of God falling upon them. I I love this because Dr. Jeremiah goes on to say this. The shepherds carried out the angel's instructions and then moved from congregants to preachers. (laughs) Think about that for just a minute. At first, they were the congregation and the heavenly host were the preachers. Well, now they moved from just being a congregant watching God's glory, to actually participating in God's glory. And that's what I want to get to, participating in God's glory. I love that when Brother Andy turned around and said, sing with us, right? Sing with us. And we, we raised our voices and we sang, Silent Night. Mm. As we see in verse 20, they glorified God. They praised God, and you know what? They did it together. They did it together. That is fellowship. The angels, the host, and the shepherds, they worshiped Jesus Christ, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God who came to be with us. So we see praise being poured out by everyone. We even see the fellowship that takes place between the shepherds and those they shared the gospel with. What, what happened when those shepherds went back and they shared the gospel? What does the Bible say? It says, everyone who heard them was what? Amazed. Why? Because this was good news for everyone. This was not something to be bottled up and kept inside, and to go our separate ways. No, this was something to be shared with everyone, to enjoy fellowship with God and with one another and doing the same thing that we were created to do, and that is to give God our worship, to give God our praise. Nothing and no one else. That's the Christmas story. That's the Christmas story. God did what only he could do through his son, Jesus Christ, so that you and I could be called out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Isn't that what 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says? I've already shared that with you, but I'll share it with you again. You and I, we were called out of darkness, out of our sinfulness, into his wonderful light, his saving light, the light of the world. Why? So that you and I might declare the praises, right? The praises of him who called us out of darkness and into light. That's what we were created to do. And so as we close today, after having the opportunity to participate in worship, to participate in praise by singing, I want to ask you, A few questions. And I'm not going to try to answer them right now. I just want you to think about these questions. Number one, are you focused on the glory 
of the Lord? Are you focused on the glory of the Lord? I know you got to listen. We've had so many activities, and I love those activities because do you know what it creates? It creates fellowship. It creates opportunities to be together in fellowship, right? But we can get distracted by those events, can't we? We can. We can get distracted. I'm going to tell you what else can distract us. Some good food can distract us too, can't it? Right? Because does anybody diet during the Christmas season? Does anybody say, I think I'll start my diet now? Uh, If you do, I want want to know how you do that. Because I can't. I can't do that. Um, Man, when them cookies come out of the oven, them snickerdoodle cookies, because she made them yesterday, I'm sorry, but I'm going to eat one. I'm going to eat two. I'm going to wait until she tells me stop and reminds me that those aren't for you. Those are for people coming over. Oh, I, okay. Yeah, we can get distracted, can't we? We can get distracted by all those things. We can get distracted by, oh, I got to get him a gift. Oh, I got to get her a gift. Oh, I, 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 I got to get one more thing. We can get distracted by so many things, and that's exactly what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to take our eyes off of the glory of God who is the light of the world, who is the bread who come from heaven, Jesus Christ. He wants us to put our eyes on anything and everything other than the glory of the Lord. You want to know why? Because when we do that, we give those objects, those things, we give those objects and those things our worship. We give those objects and those things our praise. And guess what it does? It breaks our fellowship. It breaks our fellowship because God is a jealous God. And he don't want part of you. He wants all of you. All of your heart. All of your mind. All of your soul. All of your strength. And he wants you to worship him. He wants you to praise him. So are you focused on the glory of the Lord? Are you worshiping and praising the Lord? That's the second question. Are you worshiping and praising the Lord during this season, right? During this Christmas season. And I love what they said. If, if It's not just about the season. It's about the message of the season, right? What does the season mean? What does it represent? I, I love when, they, when, when Brother Andy was reading and the choir was singing, listen, the message of Christmas is Emmanuel. God with us. Even though we are in darkness and our sin has separated us from God, God said, I'll do something about that, and he did. And so my question is, are you worshiping and praising the Lord, or are you just going through the motions? That's what Ann Ortland was talking about in her book, playing church, just coming in the doors and sitting in the pew and saying, oh, I did that this week, I'm good. Are you worshiping and praising the Lord? And then finally, are you enjoying fellowship with God? Are you enjoying fellowship with God and with one another? If you say, well, you know what? I really don't have fellowship with with God. I really don't have fellowship with other people. I'm not enjoying fellowship. I'm going to tell you something. It's not God's fault. If you're not having fellowship with God... And let me take that a step further. If you're not in fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ, that's not God's fault. That's not God's fault. God's done everything that had to be done so that you could be right with him and be right with one another. God's done everything that had to be done so that you and I could enjoy fellowship with God but also with one another. 
And so maybe you need to take a step back and take some responsibility. If I'm not enjoying fellowship with God, maybe it's because I haven't repented of my sin. Maybe it's because I've taken my eyes off of God and off of the glory that is Jesus Christ and I put it on something else or someone else. Maybe it's time for repentance. Jesus came to save us from our sins. He came to seek and save that which was lost. He did that so that we could be right with God, forgiven and freed. Being in a right relationship with God is what makes it possible for us to give him glory, for us to worship him, for us to praise him and be in fellowship. So my, my plea to you is don't get caught up. Don't get caught up in watching the glory of God. Don't get caught up in looking, right, at the glory of God. Respond to it. Respond to it. That's what we see from the shepherds in the story. They didn't just get caught up in the glory of God and, and, and just stand there terrified. No, they did something with it. They responded to it. They went out and did what they were created to do. They worshiped God. They praised God. And they went out and told others. They had fellowship with one another. They had fellowship with the people that they were speaking to. It's what we were created to do. We were created for God's glory. We were created to give God glory, to give God praise, to worship Him, and to be in fellowship with Him. And we were created to do that together. You and I are not a bag of marbles that gets poured out on the floor. Did anybody play marbles when they were kids? You're fixing to age yourself, I'm afraid. It's probably most of us over the age of, let's just say, 45-ish. Marbles were kind of cool. Like, that was, that was a fun game. But you remember what you did with those marbles? You, you knocked them around. The, the goal was to knock this one out of the way, knock this one, and, and the goal was to just knock each other out. <laughs> but you and I, we are not marbles. What does Ann Ortland say in her book? We're grapes, right? We're grown on the same vine, and we're squeezed together. And you haven't tasted the sweetness of the wine apart from worship, praise, and fellowship. The unity that we have is because of Emmanuel, God with us. I I pray that today you understand your purpose in this life. Your purpose in this life is to give God glory with everything you say, with everything you do. Whatever you do, whether word or deed, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You were created to give God glory, to worship him, to praise him, and to be in sweet fellowship with him. And that's what Christmas is all about. That's what Christmas is all about. Respond to the glory of the Lord, the light of the world, the bread come from heaven, Jesus Christ. Respond to him. I pray that you already have. My prayer is that I'm preaching to the choir. Right? And the choir's just going to go out here singing. But there's a good chance that there's someone in here who has not responded to God's goodness and God's love, who is Jesus Christ. There's a chance that someone in here has not repented, turned from sin. There's a chance that someone in here is still walking in darkness and has never experienced the wonderful light, His wonderful light. And so today I want you to do that. You can do that by saying, God, I believe what you say. What was that song we sang? We believe. 
We believe in God the Father, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, the three in one. We believe that he lived, he died, and he rose again so that we might be forgiven and free. We believe. And so you just pray to God, I believe you. I believe what your word tells me. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. He came and lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for me, for my sins. And he rose from the grave to defeat sin and death so that I might be right with you. So I turn from my sinfulness. I turn away from this darkness. And and God, I walk into your light. You're wonderful. I run to your light, your wonderful light. I'm going to tell you, it'll change you forever and ever. It changes your heart. And it changes you from the inside out. And you begin to be who God created you. And you begin to do what God created you to do. That's Christmas.